Today was a special day on the start because today on 680 CJOB, it's the Be a Part of a Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge. And we spoke with three people who had such hopeful and inspirational stories on how Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge, helped them defeat their addictions. And they are stories that you must hear. Over in London, meanwhile, the lineup was so long this morning to see the Queen lying in state, like 14 kilometers long. They had to stop letting people get in line. Mark Chipman, co-owner of the Winnipeg Jets, took a rare step to encourage more ticket sales. We'll tell you what's up with that. And we wanted to know from you, what's your favorite actor's worst movie? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is on Connecting Winnipeg today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, September 16th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. Milroy in for Forte and Master Control. Today is a special day on 680 CJOB, and we're going to explain why and how you can be a part of that in a moment. But before we get into that, I do need to confess, and I was told yesterday by producer Milroy, you got to wait until October, no excuses. Mm. But I finally caved. What? Oh, boy. Do we have confessional music or anything that we can uh, play here? Something that would set the tone here? Because I think uh, Brett has has crossed the Rubicon. What have you done, Mr. McGarry? Um, I'm I, I'm picturing what is it the the French uh, the funeral march? The dun, 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 dun. I've caved and I put on jeans. I haven't worn. I, oh. I, when I when I first finally put the shorts on back in I don't know May, that was it. I haven't worn jeans since then. And yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, I had to walk. Uh, I don't know, like twenty minutes to the store. There it is. <laughs> I had to walk to the store. And I thought, oh, kind of wishing I had jeans on. Here's part of the problem. Part of it is stubbornness. But another part of the th- thing is was fear. I feared that if I that my jeans might not fit because I've had a really fun summer. <laughs> so I've been reluctant to put them How on. How did it go? It was okay. And oh. I'm, but I'm also very thankful for stretchy waistbands. <laughs> stretchy is the way to go. I'm so, so grateful for stretchy. I have a... Uh, stretchy sport jacket that I made use of last night. It was my, it was my friend, not only to keep me warm, but also to keep me looking relatively fashionable. A stretchy yeah. jacket. Yeah, there's a little bit of stretch in the oh, in the material. That's so. handy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but you you were at a really special event last night. Yeah, I had a fresh drip last night. What fresh drip? Okay, we went the through look, this with your kids, the look, right? right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the slang, okay. The, the slang, the slang. <laughs> the, uh, I, I did take a poll last night at the Victoria Hospital Foundation Garden Party, and uh, several people did know what drip was. Really? Yes. So <laughs> uh, shout out to the folks at the foundation at Victoria Hospital. Raised a ton of money. Wonderful event. We had to move slightly indoors. The garden was open. What a wonderful place that is for reflection and opportunity just to to get away from it all if you're in hospital whether as a patient or or visiting someone that you love and care about uh i don't know the exact numbers we were sold out last night uh wonderful food wonderful drinks some incredible entertainment and uh, just an honor to be a part of it as we raised money for a mental health 
programs, you know that that means a, a ton to me. Brett, I know it means a ton to you as well. So uh, thanks for having me. It was wonderful to get out again into the public and and meet some of our, our genuine uh, listeners and, and radio family. So that's good. And I'm glad to hear that the, that the weather, because it was it was looking touch and go, like it might be, uh, like rain might be a problem. So that's great to hear. And on the subject of rain, um, and I don't know why, this is one of the first things I look at every morning is uh, the weather apps. And I guess maybe that's just a habit, particularly during the summer. If you want to know what the forecast is, the long-term forecast, just ask a golfer. Uh, because we are obsessed with checking the forecast. But Weather Network often has links to videos and stories, and this one jumped out at me. Here's the headline. Canada, a perfect storm is about to change your September. So, I, of course, I had to click on that, and it says, on paper, Typhoon Murbok spelled M-E-R-B-O-K, appears unremarkable. An intensifying typhoon in the Pacific is hardly noteworthy, but its location, where it's intensifying, is a little perplexing, which means this could be a September to remember for many Canadians because our weather patterns will become amplified courtesy of this typhoon that's trekking across uncharted waters. So when you sent me that last night, I was a little bit busy. I scanned it, but the first thing that I thought was, oh my word, we're going to get 30 centimeters of snow <laughs> in September. I've lived in Alberta. That's not uncommon in Alberta. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're worried about here, or what we might see if things come a certain way and this plays out the way they think it might. Yeah, that's right. So there, the, 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 what's happening here is we're going to see it's going to have a ripple effect. They're predicting a ripple effect down uh, from Alaska and the Yukon, and it's going to reinforce a trough in Western Canada early next week by the looks of it, but then it's going to continue eastward. And they say that there will be a region of adverse weather, including the prospect of a classic fall low developing across the eastern prairies. And then that's where it becomes, in their words, Greg, extraordinary. Extraordinary. We heard this a couple of times last winter. The per... per what is it? The per... To- <laughs> Just carry on. Uh, anyway, the temperature extremes across the prairies will be extraordinary with wet snow across higher terrain in Alberta and southern Manitoba pushing towards 30 degrees. 30 degrees. That is interesting. So here's the deal as far as the long-term forecast. When you click on the 14-day forecast, there's nothing like that in there yet. They, the, the warmest they've got. Uh, for the next 14 days is uh, 23 on Monday. Um, but maybe that'll change because this is probably, the long-term forecast is probably a computer model, whereas this typhoon analysis has clearly been done by some scientists. So I don't know. We just wanted to put that on your radar. We might be getting the late September warm push, as we often do, but just for a different reason this year. And, of course, we mentioned it is a special day today on 680 CJOB. Be a part of the story, Radiothon for Adult teen, adult and Teen Challenge. And we are going to hear from the CEO at 735. He has an extraordinary story. We've heard it a couple of weeks ago. We want you to hear it again because this man dealt with all kinds of issues with his addictions, and he's turned his life around. And because of that, now, as the CEO, he can help 
all kinds of other people turn their lives around. Well, you know, uh, forgive the uh, blunt language here. He's a walking, talking billboard for what adult and teen challenge do. He's an example of what happens when you don't give up on yourself and others don't give up on you and give you an opportunity to to make something out of your life when it looks the bleakest. And uh, Daniel's story is, is, is fantastic. It's inspiring. It's heart-wrenching. And uh, we'll be bringing similar stories of success, of comeback, if you like, overcoming addiction and finding your way in life through adult and teen challenge. And it, it, like you say, it's going to be a special day today. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. Today is a big day on CJOB, the Be a Part of the Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge. To donate, 204-949-9484 online at teenchallenge.tc or you can visit their super thrift store at 1016 St. James Street. We're going to hear some wonderful stories of inspiration, including at 735. We'll speak to the CEO of Adult and Teen Challenge Central Canada and we're going to learn more about how he defeated addiction and has turned his life around and is now helping turn around the lives of so many more. How many people uh, feel as though, you know, when we see someone or hear of someone who's a, a addicted or or has been imprisoned and they're right off in our society you don't have any room for people like that and they've done this to themselves and uh, that you know you know we have this this interpretation that there's no coming back from that we also believe that it happens to only a certain segment of the population and so we are going to hear some very inspiring stories that they may that may quash uh, your feelings on addiction and whether or not it can it can turn around and people can turn things around and whether or not these supports are valuable or not. And uh, uh, we invite you to, to listen to these stories very closely this morning. And once again, 204-949-9484 to donate or teenchallenge.tc. But right now we want to talk about what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets because co-owner and executive chair Mark Chipman says that a letter sent recently to a group of select season ticket and private box holders is purely aimed at selling more tickets and getting things back to the way they were for the NHL team prior to the pandemic. In the words of the Jets governor, there should not be a concern. The sales pitch should be interpreted as anything else. I wrote that letter to uh, a list of my contacts as a part of an overall organizational effort to do the same. We frankly... Um, are in a business that was arguably hit as hard as any other by the pandemic. So in the letter, Chipman explained that the past couple of years had been the most challenging during the 26 year history of true North sports and entertainment. And while proud of the job done by his organization, TNSE has not emerged quote unscathed. Chipman joined Richard and Skyler on the news yesterday and Richard asked, about how some fans, fans who lived the departure of the NHL in 1996, might interpret this message. I think there's enough people around from Jets 1.0 that they're not afraid, but they're concerned about the state of the franchise and the state of everything here. And it came to me through that love of the Winnipeg Jets and of the fact that we've got professional hockey here, 
that no one wants to lose it again. And I think that's the spirit that some people who have contacted me took that letter. And you know what, Richard, that, like, that's perfectly understandable. I, I, I get it. I, I, I had a front row seat to 96, right, as did you. And it's kind of been what I've been doing ever since. I, I get that emotion. I really do. It wasn't a pleasant experience. If people are interpreting it that way, I, I get it, but it, it ought not to be interpreted that way at all. You know, it's a very, very different uh, set of circumstances. This is a result of a global pandemic. And like I said in the letter, like, I'm really quite proud of the fact that we were able to get through it. But we, we're not unscathed. And, you know, it's it's not going to affect the, the quality of the product uh, that we're going to put on the ice. We've invested very heavily in our, in, our, in our team over the years, and we'll continue to do that. It's one part economic, but it's also one part uh, equally as big a part of just the, the, the energy that, that our players crave and, and, and makes playing here so impactful for them. There's just nothing like our building when it's sold out. So it's a combination of those two things that we're trying to get back to. And, you know, I guess I'm not surprised that it might have been misinterpreted, but, uh, and I, I would understand that. But we're just trying to get back to a full building. That's all we're trying to do. So let's have some honest discussion here, Brett. The, the Jets have gone from being sold out every single game for nearly nine seasons to playing in front of some empty seats. The first ever non-sellout came early in the 2019 season in an October game versus the Arizona Coyotes. And according to ESPN statistics, Winnipeg sold just under 85% of the tickets available for their home games last year. But that was second most among the Canadian teams. In fact, you heard Mark Chipman say this isn't an exclusive to Winnipeg situation. Well, by comparison, Edmonton was at 80% last year in Calgary, 74% of capacity. And if you go back to 2011, 2012, and you go back through all the seasons up until last, you will not find Winnipeg outside the top 10 in the league for that stat since there. Return, And that's not to say the Jets haven't seen the demand for their product shrink over the past several seasons, including pre-pandemic. The team once boasted an 8,000-person waiting list for season tickets. It has become increasingly difficult to pass along tickets for games you can't attend. Games on Tuesday nights are a tough sell, or in some cases, a tough giveaway. There are several reasons that many loyal fans are now former season ticket holders, myself included and part of that discussion is for another day brett but a sold out canada life center is good for business on several fronts it creates demand for the product it creates excitement and energy in the building and on the ice canada life center absolutely gave the jets a genuine home ice advantage once upon a time that advantage has been diminished over several years and mark chipman putting on a salesperson hat trying to reverse that trend Mark Chipman is doing what any good business owner does. He's trying to sell off all of his inventory and give his team an advantage on the ice with a sold-out building. I was just, before we read this text from Dave, uh, as far as my feedback is concerned, it's not just a Jets thing. Canada Life Centre for me. Yep. I hate to say this, but I'm 6'4", big guy, and I just... I. I don't like going there. It's the seats are too small for me. I don't have enough leg room. The whole building is cramped. I love that it's downtown. It's a beautiful building. It's just too small 
for me, it doesn't matter if it's a Jets game, doesn't matter if it's Cirque du Soleil or a concert. I have never really had a pleasant experience at Canada Life Centre. So for me, that would be my uh, feedback on that. But for Dave, reason I didn't renew my ticket, says Dave, it's getting expensive. I have kids that are in ringette. So I'm basically busy every single night with practices or games. It was such a hassle to try to get rid of tickets. I had Montreal Canadiens tickets, which people grab as quick as they can and want to go to that game. I put them on the jet ticket site at the lowest possible value I could. Nobody bought them. I asked people to take them. Nobody. I was shocked. Yes. So that's a common refrain. It's a common story right now. And so... I don't think Mark Chipman is pressing the panic button here. I could see how it may have been interpreted that way. Uh, but there has to be an honest and open discussion. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets are not the hot ticket they once were. So Plain we're, and simple. So we are going to update our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Overwhelmed by debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. We're going to update that. I'm just trying to work work on the wording because there's a character limit. <laughs> so I've try, I keep trying and it's like two questions too long. But it's basically going to be what would entice you to go to more Jets games. The options are going to be better team, cheaper prices, a bigger and roomier arena, or... I don't like the ice hockey. And you'll be able to cast your vote at cjob.com very soon. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. Pretty simple question today to win Darcy Oak tickets. We'll tell you what that is in a moment. First, congratulations to Justin Cochin, who's going to see the Winnipeg Jets September 27th versus Ottawa in preseason action. Now, Mr. Mackling, as is often the case, today's question would be is inspired by something that you found uh, where else on the Twitters? <laughs> and it's a pretty basic question. It's, it's nothing too scientific. There's not a lot of thought to this. It's just uh, a question about what's your favorite actor's worst movie? And you being one of the couch potatoes, I thought you'd like the question. And I think, wow, it's pretty thought-provoking and pretty basic, simple question for a Friday. So, 204-780-6868, your favorite actor's worst movie and why for a chance to win tickets to see Darcy Oak at the Burton Cummings Theatre in late October. So, you mentioned the Couch Potatoes. Why don't we start with the co-host of the Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun. Oh, this was an easy one because uh, my favorite actor and I think probably the best, maybe even the best actor of all time for my money is Gene Hackman. And what has got to be by far his worst movie is Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. <laughs> Never mind the small talk, Luther. I've got a lot to do. What are you up to? You know you're a workaholic. You're playing a good guy 24 hours a day. Why don't you stop and smell the roses, huh? Get yourself a hobby, a pet, a kitten, a puppy. It's common knowledge that you hate children and animals, Luther. What are you doing back in Metropolis? <laughs> he, he was great as Lex Luthor, but uh, that fourth Superman movie is just trash. Even as a kid, you knew it was bad. And, you know, kids usually go along for anything superhero related. So that's my... Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. What was the 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 the, the, the bad... Nuclear super- Man. Nuclear Man. And he had Gene Hackman's voice, didn't he? Uh, I think so. They, it's clearly dubbed in whoever's voice it was. Yeah, it was, it was not good. It was just bad. Yeah, terrible. Just terrible. Doesn't he take Lois Lane to the moon on that nuclear man? Like, how is she breathing space? 
is stupid. That's a common question because Superman took her up to space in the first movie as well. So, oh. some, so if so long as you're touching Superman, I think maybe you absorb <laughs> his ability to breathe in outer space. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough, Mackling. You uh, you you kicked off this conversation. Oh, Where do you want to go? Gosh, I was worried that you were going to come to me on this. You it was your idea. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, listen. Uh, Jeff Bridges is my favorite actor, and that doesn't mean I haven't seen or that I have seen all his movies because I haven't. In fact, Rolling Stone ranked his movies worst to first, and he's appeared in no less than 65 films over the years, and they rank a movie called Ripped, R-I-P-D, from 2013 with Ryan Reynolds as the worst by a mile, and uh, I didn't see that movie, so I can't comment. So as I scrolled through this list, I had to go all the way to 45 to the Jagged... Uh, what's it called? The Jag... Where is it here? 45. The Jagged... No, that's not it either. Jagged Edge? <laughs> the Jagged Edge! The Jagged Edge with Glenn Close. Okay. I didn't find it a bad movie at all, but apparently he has 44-plus movies that are better than that. So, I don't know. I guess The Jagged Edge is apparently the worst Jeff Bridges movie that I've ever seen. Okay. All right. Um, Glenn Close, yeah. That uh, I forgot about that movie. Producer Kyle Milroy, Master Control, what you got? All right, so uh, I really like Jack Black a lot. I like a lot of his movies. Uh, one I did not like was from 2009. It's called Year One. The prisoners shall be stoned to death! Right! Let us choose who gets to stone us. That guy! This is a kid. So, you got something against kids? This guy hates kids. No, I don't. No, I don't. Oh, that kid's got an arm. There's two of us. So that clip was kind of funny, but <laughs> but um, uh, ja uh, Jack Black and Michael Sarah played basically two cavemen in Year One, the name of the movie, and it just kind of didn't work for me. The main reason I picked it, though, not specifically because Jack Black, uh, Harold Ramis directed it, director of Caddyshack, Vacation, Groundhog Day. He wrote Stripes and Ghostbusters. That is the last movie he wrote and directed before he died, and it's uh, super unfortunate that that was his last credit. So I just, I, oh, it just makes me sort of upset that that's what he left left this earth with. He had a couple of stinkers in that because he he caught fire there right around that time, and he made a whole bunch of movies. I remember seeing Nacho Libre and being just underwhelmed with it. Yeah, Jack Black kind of had the same thing with as Will Ferrell, well, just a market saturation sort of, where it's fun up to a point, and then you go, okay, I got to back off a little bit. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that tends to be how it works with co comedic actors, male or female. They'll, they'll la there'll be like one it person, and they'll make a whole bunch of movies, and then they disappear. Well, they're ultimately playing themselves quite often Yeah, in the movie, and so there's really not any acting going on. It's a caricature of themselves, Yeah, and that can get tiresome after a while, I think. It can indeed. Uh, what about you, Campbell? Poitras? Uh, you know, Harold Ramis, he should have followed that ever-extending, uh, what is it, eight movies uh, that Quentin Tarantino is going to do? Like, it seems like every one is going to be his last one. Oh, that one didn't count. Uh, those two actually were two movies together, so we're going to keep this going anyways. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, can we do, like, Batman and Robin, you know, it's got a great cast, George Clooney. Like, I don't really have a favorite actor. I like, I love movies. I love, like, that kind of TV. I don't really have a favorite actor. I couldn't really think of anyone that says, oh, this person's my favorite. But like Batman and Robin, can we still say that that was a horrible movie? Because I think it's like reached campy stupidity. Like it's so bad, it's good now at this level. Yeah, I was pretty bummed when I saw you know, it originally in theater, but I don't think oh, it, it I, don't, I don't have any any negative emotions toward it anymore. Yeah, I was like a young kid and I saw it and I was like, this sucks. And <laughs> but now I think like 
Like, there's so many stupid lines and like, I don't know. Is it really that bad? Uma Twister? Thurman, I like Twister. I just I, I don't hear the Twister, Twister Mackling. <laughs> oh well, I saw it in the very front row of the movie theater in Kelowna, and it may have had three or seventeen Long Island iced teas before I saw it, and it was well, that, not a great experience. Oh boy, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for a chance to win Darcy Oak tickets, Burton Cummings Theater. Tell us your favorite actor's worst movie and why. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen. After Global News at seven, we're heading back to London on the start. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. In a moment, we are going to head back to London to check in with Ben O'Hara Byrne to get the latest on what is happening over there as we prepare for the Queen's funeral on Monday, the state funeral on Monday. But we do want to remind you, today is the Be a Part of the Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge. Mr. Mackling, how do we donate to this wonderful cause? Okay, you can do this by phone, 204-949-9484, or online, which might be the easiest way for a lot of us, www.teenchallenge.tc www.teenchallenge.tc or if you're out and about today, visit their super thrift store at 1016 St. James Street. It is, you know what, well, I know that uh, we're asking you to tell us about your uh, favorite actor's worst movie. We'll get to that in our next segment because we want to get right to, into this with Ben because there are so many people lining up to see the Queen lying in state in London that they've had to stop letting people get in line. At least as of about an hour ago, we go live now to London. Ben O'Hara Byrne, host of A Little More Conversation, which airs weeknights on 680 CJOB from 9 until midnight and airs across the nation on chorus radio stations. Richard Cloutier filling in this week while Ben is covering this in London. Ben, good morning again, or good afternoon to you, sir. Yeah, good afternoon. If there's any solace, the sun is shining for all those poor people who are waiting in such a long line that they've had to shut it down. But we really did, you can, there's actually a YouTube channel where you can watch how long the line is and how long it takes they added the time estimated time uh, early yesterday and last i looked it was you know eight nine ten kilometers nine ten hours and having waited in that same line yesterday for about five hours um i can tell you i mean it's just there, there are certain things you just can't ask people to do so i suspect they and they i think they'd run out of room too to put new people in that queue so uh they decided to take a shut it down for six hours they will reopen it uh but they were anticipating this, I think, from the beginning. They knew demand would be huge. And as we approach the weekend, people have more time. Um, so it's, I imagine over the weekend, as we head into Monday morning, too, it's just going to get ever longer. So this will no doubt not be the last time that it's opened and closed. I and mean, it's a shame for all those who don't have uh, the time to give. Um, but, you know, this is, I guess it's a democratic way of doing it. You, know, you simply go down there. It doesn't matter who you are. You go down there, stand in that line, and eventually get a wristband and get in to pay respects to the Queen. Ben, did I hear you correctly? You were in that lineup yourself for five hours yesterday. I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was such a. You want to know how do you how do you manage something like that, right? I mean, I can imagine it would be chaos in a lot of places. It was very orderly, and I wanted to get a sense of the mood. You know, what are people talking about? Uh, what's the atmosphere? What is, what happens when they get their wristbands? Why are they there? Um, and it was great. I mean, it was it was interesting to hear because people were sharing all kinds of stories. One of the common things was really about how much the Queen had meant 
to their families over many, many years. Sort of not only was it woven into the fabric of, of the nation, but also into the fabric of their family history. So grandma would talk about the time that she was at the coronation in 1953. Um, you know, other, a parent had been to see Winston Churchill lie in state in the 60s and how much they had talked about those things over generations and how these stories were stories that they had told forever and ever. So that was part of the motivation to be there too, you know, and I was with one gentleman who, who just lost his dad. His dad had passed away just a few months ago and his mom called and said, when you get in there, say a prayer for dad. So, you know, there was a lot of very personal stuff going on. It wasn't just about paying tribute to the Queen and to the monarchy. Uh, far from it, in some senses, when it came to the monarchy itself. But, it, you know, there was a lot of complexities there, too, about family history and the way people are feeling about losing um, someone who really represented many generations, but clearly an older generation uh, who we have fewer and fewer of, right? Now, what do we know about Monday's state funeral? Well, it's going to be, I mean, the logistics of it are... Uh, are you know, beyond beyond comprehension. I was talking to a security expert today who said, you know, they've been planning for this for a long time, but until you know exactly when it's going to happen, you have, you know, it's tough to put all those plans into place. So it's been very busy. Uh, I understand the foreign office has brought in 300 new staff or different staff have moved them over to handle this, and they'll be bringing in more just to try to accommodate. I think it's 500 world leaders and dignitaries who are coming to the funeral uh, among, amongst others. And just the logistics of trying to do that. But the way they're going to do it is they're going to put up a ring of steel essentially around that whole area where the funeral will take place, which is all the way up to Hyde Park and around Buckingham Palace and down to Westminster Abbey. And they'll just control access to it. I was told today that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're meant to be on a certain bus at a certain time to get to the Abbey and you don't make it, you walk up to the police, to a police officer and say, you know, I'm the the prime minister of so-and-so. They'll say, well, we're very sorry, you're late. So... It's going to run like clockwork. Uh, it, I gather the timing is down to a T, and uh, they've made a few exceptions on for security matters. The president will not have to take uh, of the United States will not have to take a communal bus. He'll be in his uh, armored limousine. But other than that, they're expecting most world leaders to uh, to follow the rules and follow the times, and that's how they're going to make it happen. Ben, I know we've got to let you run here, but coronation. Uh, Prince Charles is now King Charles the Third. When? Will we celebrate that? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about when that might happen. For the Queen back in 53, I mean, it, in well, 53, it took quite a while. It was almost it was a year or more before she, she, the coronation took place. I would imagine they were going to wait again. Uh, they're going to give it a year, I would suspect, maybe less. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be, I mean, clearly doing it in the middle of winter doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'd imagine maybe next summer or maybe after that. Um, there are probably significant dates that I'm not aware of that would probably make sense for his coronation. Uh, but I think we're going to be waiting you know, the better part of the next year before that, in fact, happens. Ben O'Hara-Byrne joining us live from London. He is the host of A Little More Conversation on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Ben. We appreciate it. We'll check in again with you on Monday. Great. Thanks so much. Have a nice weekend. And Ben will be part of our coverage of global news coverage of the funeral, which will be aired live on 680 CJOB starting at 4 a.m. on Monday. And that's actually going to go scheduled to go until 7 a.m. So the first hour of the start will be preempted for the funeral. That never happens to us. I can remember lamenting the fact we needed the Winnipeg Jets to play some hockey games in Europe. (laughs) So that we could have a couple of hours off, like uh, seems to happen so often for our friends in the afternoon. This is obviously a completely different situation, but we will not be on the air ourselves until 7. And then we'll have the honour of having Ben uh, fresh off the ceremony and have him recap that for us live here on the start. So uh, it's an important day for a lot of folks coming up on Monday. 
Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We just got to give you a heads up that on Monday, we are going to give away a bowling party. And today yes. is your last chance to get in on this. Bowl Manitoba bowling party. You can go to cjob.com, go to the contest page, and you can enter to win a bowling party for 10. So again, we're going to announce that grand prize winner on Monday, September 19th, go to cjob.com. If you want to win tickets for Darcy Oak at the Burton Cummings Theatre, who is your favorite actor's, what is your favorite actor's worst movie? What does Don have for us? I have always enjoyed Leah Thompson's work, <laughs> except for one abomination. I know where this is going. Listen to me, small visitor. I can explain how you got here. Maybe you're here for some greater purpose, some cosmic cause. Oh, that's all I could take. Uh, Howard the Duck. Her performance was excellent, but the entire premise of the film was completely cringeworthy. I want to know what was being smoked when this project got the green light. And what? what? <laughs> Is this not in the r- running for the worst movie ever, Brett Howard the Duck? I would say so. I th- you can't. I don't think you can have that conversation without talking about Howard the Duck, and it's hilarious because Jeff Braun mentioned you know he even he even knew that Superman Four was bad when he was a kid, because sometimes you can't see, can't see the line. I watched this movie like fifteen times when I was a kid because I loved it, and I've always wanted to revisit it, and I'm sort of scared to do that. Oh, it may ruin. Your perception. Yeah, I have fond memories of Howard the sure. Duck. And uh, Kyle, producer Kyle Milroy can probably weigh in on this as well. I imagine you've seen Howard the Duck? Uh, I've seen it once. I think it was a little young uh, when it originally came out. But yeah, I, it's weird when Jeff Braun mentioned that, that I, it's impossible when you're a kid to almost to find something bad. Like, so the fact that he found Superman 4 bad as a kid is kind of shocking because I watched a bunch of garbage when I was a kid. <laughs> you yeah. don't realize. You're just like, oh, movie. <laughs> well, when that movie came out, he would have been 11 or 12. I think. Right. Didn't that come out in 87? Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so he would have been old enough, I think, to start thinking critically, I suppose. But another thing about Howard the Duck, if you look closely in the big scene in Avengers Endgame when all the Avengers are assembling, for one brief moment, Howard the Duck is there, machine gun in hand. Isn't that something? 14% on the tomato meter. 14? Oh, yeah. I'm surprised the, it's that high. Did George Lucas create that abomination? I think he might have been involved. Did he have a hand in that? It. Yeah. I'll have to double check that. But keep those coming. Your, your favorite actor's worst movie for a chance to win tickets to see Darcy Oak. And again, for the Be a Part of a Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge, to donate, call 204 949 9484 or teenchallenge.tc. We'll speak to the CEO and hear his incredible and inspiring story after Global News at 7 30. <laughs> And indeed, the Be a Part of a Story Radiothon in support of Adult and Teen Challenge. And on this day, we'll be spending a lot of time talking about addictions and what this wonderful organization is doing to help people who are dealing with this. And it's people from all walks of life. And our friend Katyn Gimley has some experience working with people like this. I used to work in an addictions recovery center, says Kat. I think most people would be astounded if they knew who becomes addicted, how it happens, and which drugs do the most damage. I've seen people of all ages and economic circumstances put incredible effort into overcoming their addictions. It is literally the fight of their lives, and most are aware of that. I've also seen a few lose their battle and been deeply grieved by their deaths. Nobody 
Kat emphasizes nobody intends or decides to be an addict. Most carry a heavy burden of guilt and shame, which society is quite happy to reinforce. With humility, may I send my prayers and love to all who continue to struggle against addiction because make no mistake, it could be any one of us. So thank you very much for that, Kat. Now, to donate, you can call 204-949-9484 or go online at teenchallenge.tc. That's teenchallenge.tc. Or you can later visit their super thrift store at 1016 St. James Street. And our first Radiothon guest this morning is a man who dealt with addictions, depression, and wanted to die. After getting the help he needed, he is now the CEO of Adult and Teen Challenge Central Canada. Let's say good morning to Daniel Iman. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you very much for joining us today uh, once again, Daniel. And look, uh, when we think about people with addictions, as Kat pointed out, we, we often think it's only people from a certain background or it's only people from a certain socioeconomic status, but addiction affects all walks of life. And you're an example of that because by your own description, you were raised in a good family. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in St. Boniface. Uh, you know, I played high level hockey all throughout my, you know, teenage years and my youth. And, uh, but you know, it quickly went on a downward path. Uh, my first year of university, Manitoba and, Never thought I would become a you know an addict and, and have a life controlling addiction that took me down a very very dark road and I hurt my family I hurt my friends uh, I, I hurt a lot of people and uh, felt very very helpless and hopeless for many many years and uh, so thankful for organizations like Teen Challenge and specifically Adult and Teen Challenge of Central Canada after I had many attempts um, at different uh, recovery homes and um, learned new things along the way, but found complete freedom uh, with Adult and Teen Challenge and just celebrated 16 years of sobriety and uh, never thought I would be a, a CEO of a, of a charity in, uh, in Manitoba. So <laughs> there's hope. Yeah, hope uh, springs eternal, and we hear it in your voice, Daniel. And I don't want to dwell too much on the past. I, I do this only because I think the emphasis for, for some folks is critical, that we understand that, that that background, to a certain extent, to a great extent, makes it, it makes no difference. This impacts so many of us. And, and you mentioned here in your biography that, that you in fact, started stealing. Did you start stealing first to, to support your drug addict from people that you love the most by any chance? Yeah, sad, sadly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I remember one one night where I was hurting and strung out and, and needed more to kill the pain and um, went home and, and tried to take my, my little brother's uh, Sony PlayStation out the door and struggle with my mom and my brother and it just it I mean it's very still traumatizing to think about uh the lack of self-control that that comes with being you know uh having substance use disorder and just being someone completely different than who you were created to be and uh um very very thankful that uh, you know that there was forgiveness and uh, actually I've seen just a complete uh really uh 
a healing and a transformation in my whole entire family. My my grandma, we just celebrated her life 92 years old and uh, got together with my uncles and aunties and cousins and just such a positive, um, just completely different from uh, what, you know, I thought it could be uh, because of all the damage and hurt that, that my addiction caused. But now it's like, I'm an inspiration. I'm, I'm hope I, there's not one family that I've ever met uh, that hasn't dealt with some sort of addiction problem. And so getting it out in the open and, and uh, making positive steps forward to help and love each other and forgive each other is just such an, an amazing thing to have uh, healthy relationships with your family. And, and that can be done too. And adult and teen challenge, we, we don't only help uh, someone struggling with addiction, but we help the whole family. So it's a, it's a very amazing uh, work that we do. Now we mentioned the ways to donate. One of them is at the super thrift store at 1016 St. James street. And tomorrow is a big day for the store. What's happening. Yeah, we have our uh, anniversary uh, celebration. So we opened up our super thrift store kind of in the midst of the pandemic, and it really hasn't caught the you know the traction that we hoped for. But we're st- even with the, our store now, it, it, we see uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and we just really encourage everybody. Uh, I know Manitobans, Winnipegers specifically, are, are great thrift thrift shoppers and supporters and uh our tagline is come find out what makes us super uh so we got the corner of st james and ellis come visit us uh tomorrow 10 16 st james I, I it will be a special day a celebration and i'm sure that we'll have some great finds and some great deals and all the money raised all the profits raised in our super thrift store go directly to help families in recovery Daniel, thank you for sharing this story. Thank you for the work that you do, but sharing your story so openly and honestly, I can tell you that my heart is so full right now, knowing that, you know, that, that your family situation is what it is, your professional life, and then you're retelling and, and talking about celebration of your grandma's life and how that you've become this inspiration within your family. You're an inspiration to a lot of folks that you've never met, Daniel. We appreciate this. Well, I appreciate you guys helping us, and uh, we have a huge task ahead of us still, and we're going to continue to need your help. So I really, really encourage everybody that's listening that can support us. Uh, we have uh, a we have a plan to open 100 new beds in Winnipeg, uh, the Recovery Super Center downtown Winnipeg, right by the new Ronald McDonald House. Uh, we have a 50,000-square-foot building that we're planning to renovate and we really really need people's help so if you could help by making a donation today uh it will really really help many many families in need and really thank you for uh having us on here today and uh we're we're gonna work hard and uh, we're gonna help as many people and families as we can so thank you for your support daniel imond is ceo of Adult and Teen Challenge Central Canada. And once again, to donate, 204-949-9484. You can donate online at teenchallenge.tc. And once again, you can visit the Super Thrift Store at 1016 St. James Street anniversary celebration tomorrow. And by the way, all donations up to a total of $50,000 are being matched by a generous anonymous donor. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. 
Be a part of a Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge. We're talking football in a moment, but because it is the Radiothon and because we're talking about this organization that does so many great things to help people with addictions, I want to read this story from Rick, with whom we've actually had on this show. Uh, Greg, you and Loren spoke with Rick a few weeks back while I was away, uh, and he told his story. But uh, Rick says if you have a slow... He gives a really great analogy here. If you have a slow leak in your tire, you have three choices. Get it repaired, keep filling the tire, or ignore it and drive it until it is completely flat and the tire and rim are ruined. Early intervention is the best and least costly option, and this applies to addictions. I challenge everyone involved in agriculture to match my $25 donation. And Mr. Mackling, how does one donate? You can do it by telephone, Brett, 204-949-9484, or go online, www.teenchallenge.tc, that uh, follow-up, teenchallenge.tc, or you can visit their super thrift store at 1016 St. James Street. And thank you, Rick, not only for this challenge, but for sharing your story with us so freely and openly. goes a long way, brother. And we are going to have more on this after 9 o'clock. We're going to speak with a couple of people who have gone through the program, and one of them is now working for Teen Challenge. But we switch gears here. The culprit always returns to the scene of the crime, so the saying goes. In fact, I remember uh, years back, you remember when the Thistle Curling Club burned down? I sure do. The person who set that fire was caught at the scene. So, anyway, that's a random thing to think about, but there it is. Hamilton Tiger Cat fans would argue, many quite loudly, that that is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who thieved their way to their second straight Grey Cup victory over their beloved Cats last December 12th at Tim Hortons Field. Well, I would say that the Tiger Cats were, to a great extent, the authors of their own demise that fateful day in Steeltown. Derek Taylor joins us now from Hamilton, Ontario, and Derek, we, we, we won't likely get the Blue Bombers to reminisce too much in the lead-up to tomorrow's game. That doesn't mean we can't compare and contrast these two teams uh, some 10 months later. What on earth has happened to the Tiger Cats? Well, for me, it's a couple of things. They had a decision to make in the offseason. It was, we can't afford to keep both these quarterbacks, both quarterbacks that we saw play for the Ticats in the Grey Cup. So they went with Dane Evans. Dane's, I think, five years younger than Jeremiah Masoli. And, you know, a lot. Of, there were a lot of people around the league who were very high on him. As we saw in the week three game in Winnipeg, it has not worked out for the Ticats and, and Dane Evans. It There's just several problems with it. their offensive line, experience of losses, and then uh, Dane has just not proven to, uh, to be what a lot of people believed he would be. And I think uh, Bomber fans know that well from the two Grey Cups, where if he doesn't leave, in my mind, if he doesn't leave the 21 Grey Cup with an injury, uh, the Bombers win that game by a couple of scores because he was just not in his best form as he wasn't in the 2019 game either. And then on defense, they have a real nice set of defensive personnel. When you look at them, you go, yeah, this should be a top three defense in the Canadian Football League. And then you have injuries and you have a couple more injuries and then things just don't bear out the way they do. You end up three and nine after 12 games and you're scrambling going, what do we do? Where do we find a couple wins to catch up to Montreal? Because oddly enough, we're in the East and the playoffs aren't out of reach at three and nine, but how on earth do we get there? 
Now, the Bombers are on the precipice of a bye week. Are, do you know if some of the players are leaving for a visit home right from Hamilton? Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure to tell you the truth. I know guys like Rasheed Bailey have family coming up because this is a game in the East and they have family on the East Coast. I would. This is a guess, but I would think the first bye week a couple weeks ago is, is more the one where you'd be bailing out to go somewhere else. I would think, just a guess, I we'd have more guys, you know, staying in Winnipeg and working because we're getting a little deeper into the season. They just had a bye week. There's another one coming up in four weeks from now. So, uh, yeah, I would think more guys are just going to be hanging out and just uh, relaxing, you know, in their in their summer home in Winnipeg. Now, for, could this game be uh, a trap game for the Blue Bombers? It could, but, I mean, what we saw in that first game, 25-12, the, the Bombers win. The offense wasn't fully clicking, but there, there was just no point where you really thought, at least in my mind, you really thought the Ticats offense was particularly threatening. Uh, Evans was, was in the pocket, and he would, you know, take a quick read and maybe maybe a second one, and then he just had to get rid of the ball because troubles on their offensive line mean that here comes Willie, and here comes Jackson, and here's Jake Thomas, and oh, how about a little Casey Sales, and oh, here's Big Hill on a blitz, and I can't, I can't handle all these options, and look out for my life, and that's kind of how it seemed to go from Dane Evans. So it's it's entirely possible, right? I mean, as as the Bombers say, you know, we try to go one every week, and every team is good. There's there's the potential for them to do something because there are weapons on this Hamilton team. Uh, Stephen Dunbar is a deep weapon at wide receiver. Uh, Tim White is this multi-purpose tool, uh, a guy that Hamilton would try to use like the Bombers use Nick Dembski. So they they've always got a guy like that, you know, and, and an offense capable of of doing these things. But it, I mean, just just coming into the game, the Bombers are playing a team that they are very clearly better than. And Hamilton, in my mind, doesn't present the same problems that Montreal did in week 10 of here's our overpowering, you know, blitz attack on defense. Best of luck with that if you turn the ball over a couple times. I know you uh, bank on statistical probabilities uh, more than anything else, DT. So uh, this is a one word answer, potentially the the rosters haven't come out yet. I'm watching my email for them. The big question for me is... Will we see Brandon Alexander tomorrow? Uh, if I had to guess, based on the two days we saw him practice and the way he was speaking after the first day of practice, my guess would be yes. But like, like you say, w- we don't know what happened behind closed doors yesterday. So uh, I'm going to say yes, we do. However, don't don't shoot the don't shoot the guesser if he's wrong because coming back from a from a knee injury can be very tricky. Right. So, yeah, I think, but man, the, the feeling if, if we do will be incredible. Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Derek, thank you very much, sir. The pregame show, Olympic Builders pregame show, 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Princess Auto, Blue Bomber football, 3 o'clock. DT and DB. Derek Taylor and Doug Brown live from Hamilton. special day here on 680 CJOB be a part of the story be a part of a story radiothon in support of adult and teen challenge and Mr. Mackling how does one make a donation okay you can call 204-949-9484 or go online if you prefer teenchallenge.tc it's not .ca or .com it's teenchallenge.tc or visit their super thrift store 
at 1016 St. James Street, their mission to provide communities, families, and individuals freedom from the impact of life-controlling addictions. And Brett, our next guest, has been down that dark road of addiction, but has turned it around and wants to help as many people as he can. A.J. Duane is Adult and Teen Challenges Development Director. A.J., thank you very much for joining us. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. So, listen, thanks for joining us and sharing your story because, you know, it's tough to hear these stories sometimes, but it's also important that we hear these stories to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, to know that you can be in a dark place and still come back from it when it feels like all hope is lost. And that's what happened with you. You lost everything. So what is your story? Yeah, so exactly. So, yeah, many years ago, um, well, I, in 2008, I walked through the doors with, with a garbage bag of clothes slung over my shoulder and, uh, you know, addicted to multiple drugs and, you know, uh, the anxiety and the depression was just overwhelming. Um, you know, I pretty much got myself to the point where, you know, I lost everything I worked for. And, uh, you know, after uh, living that for, for, for many years, I eventually ended up, you know, homeless without even, you know, a place to call my own. Um, so yeah, it was ugly. And, uh, you know, I had a, I had a daughter kind of in the middle of all this mess and, uh, she ended up in foster care. Her, her mother and I had split up earlier and she was already living with someone else with some other kids. And then whatever happened there, you know, um, CFS was involved and all the kids were taken away. And then, you know, I was right in the middle of my, my ugly and uh, in no position to take care of her. So really what that ended up doing was even driving me deeper into the addiction, just with the shame and the guilt of not, not being in a spot where I could even take care of my own girl. So yeah, something, uh, something drastic definitely needed to change. (laughs) AJ, you mentioned the shame and the guilt self-worth. How critical is determining and measuring your own self-worth in this process? Well, it's absolutely critical. Um, you know, when um, anyone struggling in addictions and, and right in the in the middle of it, your 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 self worth is definitely at an all time low. And uh, you know, a lot of times uh, you need you need some extra help. You need help to to have people around you to surround you to love you to encourage you and to and to um, you know explain to you how valuable that we all are because we are. So it's very critical. Absolutely. So you've been free of alcohol and drugs for 14 years. You're now Adult and Teen Challenges Development Director. So what is a development director? What do you do? Well, I'm part of a great team that uh, basically what we do is um, we fundraise. We, uh, you know, we, we, we put on events and uh, we try to raise the money that's, uh, that's needed to do what we do. So, yeah, I get the privilege of, you know, hosting and, and helping to run many of our fundraising events and uh, do what we can to uh, keep keep doing what we need to do. And, and it, uh, you know, it takes money. You know, some people don't like talking about money sometimes, but it just so happens we live in a, in a world that runs off a system of money and to do what we do, we need support. And uh, so, yeah, we put on some fun events and uh, I get, uh, I get to do that. I also have the privilege of overseeing our, one of our vocational shops, the vehicle donation program. Uh, it's kind of located in North Transcona where we get vehicle donations so people can donate cars and trucks and vans and boats. And, uh, you know, we take those and, uh, and turn that into, into money. 
you know what, it's funny, uh, <clears throat> I was faced with a situation on Monday with my automobile where I was thinking, if this thing's going to cost me $1,000, I know exactly where it's going. But uh, it lives It lives another day, so I won't be donating it quite yet. But you mentioned the fun events. Didn't you guys just recently host a demolition derby or something? Yes, this last Sunday we had a demolition derby. It was super, super fun. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one of our biggest events and, uh, for next year, we're even hoping to make it even bigger. So what we do in that event is we actually, we take Dodge caravans and, uh, we demo prep them here. So the students that are in our work experience program, in our program, they, uh, they get to help build those vans, uh, get them all ready and safe so people can, you know, smash into each other. <laughs> Outstanding. I don't know how old you are, AJ, but that reminds me of Happy Days and the Malachi brothers and and uh, the, the, the Demolition Derby. Hey, before we let you go, I've got one name I want to throw at you. Steve sure. Paulson. Steve Paulson. Oh, man, what a guy. So Steve Paulson is one of our founders here in our area of, of Adult Teen Challenge, and he was just one of those men that was an amazing, amazing um, person that I looked up to that walked alongside me. And I, and I have to mention his wife, Margaret, as well. Um, so through my program, I graduated in 2009. And then uh, I decided to stay on with the organization. And I ended up getting you know primary custody of my daughter. So that was amazing. So then I was a single dad. And uh, Steve and Margaret were amazing through that journey. So you can imagine being a single dad, you know, just graduating in a program, getting out of that ugly life and, and to have the support that uh, Stephen Margaret and along with the rest of the staff, uh, it was amazing. It really helped me in my journey. And, and uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Steve. I love you, man. Thank you for all the support and prayers and everything that you've done for us and my family over the years. So it's awesome. What's the situation with your daughter, AJ? Well, now she's uh, 20 years old. So, um, yeah, so when she moved in with me, it was many years ago. She was about six years old. So, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to have her live with me, and and uh, yeah, really good. AJ Dwayne is yeah. the development director for Adult and Teen Challenge. AJ, thank you very much for opening up and being honest with us. It's uh, super important Absolutely. to the cause, and uh, uh, you're an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Once again, to donate, 204-949-8484, online, teenchallenge.tc, or you can visit the Super Thrift Store at 1016 St. James Street. And a reminder, tomorrow they're celebrating their anniversary. And remember that all donations up to a total of $50,000 are being matched by a very generous, anonymous donor. Again, that website, teenchallenge.tc. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We've got two tickets to give away to see Darcy Oak, world-renowned magician, Burton Cummings Theatre, coming to Winnipeg October 21st, October 22nd. We're asking you, what is your favorite actor's worst movie? Kristen weighing in. She loves her pop culture. She's one of our runners-up here. Kristen says, I love me a good action movie. So naturally, my favorite actor is none other than the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. Side note, I just rewatched Predator a couple of weeks ago. God, that movie somehow gets better every time I watch it. Oh, it gets it. better? Yeah, it's just, Ooh. it's such a classic. Uh, from Conan to The Terminator, even Kindergarten Cop, I love them all. Kindergarten Cop, so good. Except the monstrosity that is the movie Junior. Remember that? 
That's the one where he gets pregnant. Why, Arnold? Why? I would watch The Running Man on a week-long loop rather than another minute of that nonsense. The Running Man, there's another great one. I got to watch that again. So many great one-liners. He had to split. (laughs) Junior uh, came across our text line at least three other times. Yep. So uh, consensus is Junior was not a very good movie. Now, this one is another one of our runner-ups from Janice, and then Greg's got the winner. Janice is one of my favorite actors, has always been Bruce Willis. We rotate watching the Die Hard movies every year, yes, at Christmas, but always we watch the first one. Well, I recall watching Bruce Willis in a movie called Hudson Hawk, which, from what I remember, I liked it, but it had bad reviews at the time as a terrible movie, so I think I need to re-watch this movie. Yeah, that movie had a ton of hype because I think they were looking at, it was like a comic book kind of character, if I re- remember correctly. I never saw it, because apparently it was just brutal. We had a few people also point out Hudson Hawk today. So a couple of uh, universal stinkers, it seems. But this next one we're going with, just because it's such a unique choice. Al Pacino is not my favorite actor, but in my opinion, the movie Glengarry Glen, Glen Ross sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he just seemed to scream the entire movie. Brutal movie with some big-named actors, and no doubt about it, Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Spacey, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, all in that movie. It's sort of a cult movie in the sales world. But here's the ironic part of our winner today. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is the movie. Guess what our winner's name is? What's it's his not name? Ross, it's not Gary, it's Glenn. <laughs> well, Glenn, you win for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That movie, by the way, it is a unique film. It's based on a play. Right. And my understanding is the film adaptation is not as good as the stage story. But I enjoyed that. And the, the speech Alec Baldwin gives in that, I was going to pull clips, but it would take it takes too long to edit. <laughs> <laughs> and make yes. it clean for broadcast. That's right. I'm surprised you don't have it in your folder. Uh, I probably do somewhere. But, uh, yeah, legendary, a legendary speech in that. It's pretty tremendous stuff. So, Glenn, you win the Darcy Oak tickets. Greg, what's coming up in sports? If you want to see it, just uh, just Google Glengarry Glenn Ross. Always be closing. Of course, the mission of adult and teen challenge is to provide communities, families, and individuals freedom from the impact of life-controlling addictions. And our next guest, Brett, has been down that dark road of addiction, but has turned it all around. And guess what? Is here to share their story. Let's welcome our next guest. Hello there, Alba. Hi there. How are you? I am good. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. And why don't we just start by asking you, can you give us an idea of your journey with addiction? Um, well, it, it all started, I want to say, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it all started when I was about 19 years old. I was very depressed and very anxious, and I really didn't know how to escape it. So um, weed and alcohol kind of gave me a way out and a way to cope. So I I went afterwards, like it, it brought me down a very slippery slope and I just kept drinking until I had lost everything, my children, um, my relationship with my family, including myself and any hope that I had for a future. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how I came to Teen Challenge, and and I found it in a in a detox um, 
in a detox place, and I started researching about it, and I have, this is my second time around here. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely uh, life-changing. I, I found hope here, and, and I have, I, I'm starting to um, restore my relationship with my, with my children and with my family and making amends and forgiving people that I never thought I would forgive. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Are they forgiving you, Alba? Yes, they are. They are. I'm taking the steps to to get their forgiveness back, too. Yeah, and my sister, actually, uh, me and her had a slippy kind of relationship. And last time I went to visit, I, make am- I made amends with her. Alba, when people deal with addictions and it doesn't really matter what the addiction is there there is a, a common reaction from some people to say well if it's a problem why don't you just quit for some people yeah. for some people it might be that easy you know my dad quit smoking cold turkey uh one day and i still don't know how he did it he just said yeah i'm done but um yeah. but for uh, for others uh it's not that easy so from your perspective can you talk a little bit about why we need programs to help with addictions well i i do i do see yeah like i've heard some stories about some people stopping cold turkey and uh you know like the power to them uh but sometimes yeah it it i think that it's um it's it's we've programmed our brain for so long right to to depend on something like that for everything that we do so when we come into a program it's not only the fact that we are away from the drug of choice but it's also the support system that we have around us um the mentors that we can speak to and also being around the people that are going through the same thing as you and and can understand right and walk through this journey with you. It makes truly all the difference. So how is Adult and Teen Challenge making a difference? I'm I'm quite familiar with the program, but not everybody is. So how is it making a difference for you, Alba? Well, actually, so since I first started coming, I I, I, you know, I was broken and I had so much unforgiveness in my heart. And I started talking to people who have gone through the same thing and who have actually gotten to the point of forgiving. So I kind of followed the steps that they showed me. And, um, and, and when I would talk to the mentors, they would tell me like this and this, and this is what you can do. Um, and they help you out. Like if you need to talk to somebody, they kind of advise you and lead you and to do the proper actions to actually get to talk to these people and get your, 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 um, whatever you have to say across while being respectful to them and, and, and just, yeah, like making amends with people is huge. Um, with CFS and stuff, they, they help, um, contact people and they advocate for you. Um, so like say if, if you have problems with CFS in the courts, uh, Teen Challenge has a huge weight. And so, like going through the program and finishing the program can help a lot of people also um, get their records, uh, you know, clean or get get uh, a better answer from the judges. And so, um, 
Yeah, and, and I mean, when I'm walking through life on my everyday basis, I go to them with a lot of stuff that, that I don't know who else to tell, and they guide me through them so that I can better understand myself. Like, they help me know myself better, too. Um, they help me with everything. And uh, even when I was talking to my sister, I told them about it, and they, they said, you know, maybe saying I'm sorry. And so... It, they help you get that courage. They help you get that that oomph that you need to actually step out and and be courageous with your actions and bold about what you want. And and they gave me like they helped me get hope for actually mending these relationships that I thought were broken before. And Alba, where are you at in terms of the relationship you had with your addiction? Is it something that will put you'll potentially wrestle with? for a long time or are you are you confident that it's behind you i i am constant i'm i'm very confident that it is behind me but i do feel like it's it's um it, it sobriety is hard right especially when for so long we have run to that one particular thing for everything uh so i do think that i will have my battles in the future but i'm very confident that i am now strong enough to withstand them and say no and say yes to life and to family and and just to my future. Alba, thank you it so has, much. Oh, go ahead, continue, continue, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's it it definitely. Um, I, I realize now that I have so much more want for life and and for the things that even my story could impact the people that my story could impact more than I do for alcohol and anything that that like that you know so yeah i'm very hopeful about my life the want for life what a tremendous yes. way to put that thank you thank you alba you're you're brave thank you so and much. uh thank you for sharing your story and and we wish you nothing but continued success uh, on your journey thank you so so much thank you for having me alba is just one example of how this program is helping turn lives around adult and teen challenge the be a part of a story radiothon but they can't help people like alba without your generosity and that's where you come in mackling how does one make a contribution 204-949-9484-949-9484 or online at teenchallenge.tc teenchallenge.tc think of it as dot teen challenge or visit their super thrift store at 1016 st james street and of course uh, brett you mentioned it you can also donate your your vehicle if you've got a a clunker that's at the end of the line they will use that as part of their programs if it's a if a dodge caravan is in your driveway they'll turn <laughs> it into a smash up derby car potentially or they might fix up those cars and resell them and we also know that they're they're starting their own mechanic shop all sorts of different ways they're giving their clientele opportunities to increase their skills and and really be uh, an important part of our community. We're going to hear more stories of hope and inspiration through the day, right through until 6 p.m. as part of the Be a Part of a Story Radiothon for Adult and Teen Challenge.